0: John chapter 3, the ones that are in the pastor's class are going to say, oh, he already taught on John chapter 3, verse 16, right? But we're going to hit verse 16 again, huh? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I've heard a lot of people say, I am missions-minded. minded And I've heard people say, you know, our church is missions-minded, all right? And that's okay, all right? That's not bad. That's that's okay. But there's something better. I am missions-hearted. It's in my heart. Our church is missions-hearted, huh? Because, you know, missions-minded, you know, I I think about missions, you know. But, you know, hey... It was the heart thing that had me wait patiently to go on a date with my wife. You know, I'm a cleric. Clerics don't like to wait, right? But I would wait because, you know, somehow she got into my heart. Not just in my mind, my heart. And so I waited patiently. Huh? And she's put up and I've gotten into her heart because she has put up with me for 37 years. Huh? So there is a difference between being missions-minded and missions-hearted. And I want you to know that God, the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, are missions-hearted. And I'm going to show you why I say that. because number one in this verse, if you see this verse, God, the Father, sent His Son, right? His only begotten Son. So what we see, God, because He loved you and I, you know, that's that's missions. Missions is really that we love others. And we want to see others come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to this world that we might one day be saved. That we might become the sons of God. And he gave his best. Think about that just for a second. Because something can be in your mind and you can not give your best. But when something reaches your heart, uh, you can become a fanatic. You know that? Hmm? you you can really you really can i mean some some of us here you know the buckeyes are in our heart it's not just, they're just not just are not just in our mind you know and, and you do you can do some crazy things can't you huh especially in that last game of the year with that team up north you know you can do some crazy things and god when you think about it you, th- you think God the Father did something crazy that you and I probably would never do. He gave His only begotten Son to die for enemies because you and I were the enemies of God. And He gave willingly... Knowing what the end was. God the Father knew that the cross was the end. Okay, we know the resurrection. But really, Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross. To pay the penalty for our sins. And God the Father sent Him to do that because He loved you and me. He loved everyone. Everyone. Not in this world. And that's why I say missions was in his heart. Hmm? I forget which missionary said it, but an old time missionary said God had only one son. And he was a missionary. Left his home to come here. A foreign place. Because at home, he was adored and worshipped. All the time. Down here. From the time of his birth. Somebody was trying to kill him. Hmm? And God the Father. Looked out. And he looked at all of us. That are here tonight. And everybody else in this world. And he said. I love them so much. They are in my heart so much. I am willing to give my only begotten son, to die in their place. He gave his best. And if you look in this verse also, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, huh? his son, Jesus Christ. You remember when Pilate told Jesus, you're not going to talk? I've got the power to let you go. Or to crucify you. What did Jesus say? No you don't. That's why the Bible says Jesus laid down His life. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willingly offered His life as a sacrifice for us. Again, at any point in time, do you understand that Jesus Christ had the power to come down off of that cross? At any point, He could have, with the spoken word, killed everybody there and come down off the cross. You know, He didn't need 10,000 angels. I know it's a pretty little song, but He did not need 10,000 angels. He is the creator of the world. And if he could create this world with the spoken word, uh, surely he could have come off the cross just the same way. But he stayed there. And he stayed there because of this verse. For God so loved the world. We were in his heart. Even though, yeah, even though we were not very lovely... Even though probably, I would say, a portion of us that's in this room tonight have taken His name in vain, you know, cursing. He loved us so much that He willingly came. Do you understand, before He was born, He already knew what that life of 33 years was going to be like? He's God. He knows everything. Before He was born... And he, before the foundation of the world, he agreed to be born. He knew what his 33 years was going to be like. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Because they, again, I almost went on Spanish on you. He did it because he loves us. We are in his heart. And sometimes I think our our, our thinking, after we get saved for a while, we forget what we were before. And our thinking gets a little messed up. And we look at unsaved people and we think they could never get saved. You know? You know what? I am glad some Christians didn't think that way of me. You know how many times I heard in my life, you are worthless. You will never amount to a hill of beans. Huh? And I heard that constantly. Huh? My teachers nicknamed me. My middle name, Trouble. huh? But praise God, there was an independent, fundamental Baptist preacher that believed the Word of God, that Jesus Christ loved everybody and died for everybody and can save everybody if they will repent and receive Him as their Savior and that He will change their lives. And that's exactly what He does. And it's because, again, it's because we are in His heart, because He loves us so much, He willingly laid down His life for us. Now, that's great. That's why it's called the good news, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection that He paid for our sins and that He is alive. And because He's alive, He can save to the uttermost. And He loves us. And the message is still the same. The message has never changed. It doesn't matter what country you go to. It doesn't matter what language that you speak. The message is still the same. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And that Jesus wants all men to come to repentance. Because He understands that is the only way... That we will be changed. And that is the only way that we will go to heaven one day. And he left. He left. Earth. One day. Right? He ascended back up into heaven. As the disciples are there just gawking, no? I mean, I would too. I mean, look how some of you gawked at the eclipse. Could you imagine seeing the Son of God rise into the sky? Until you could see him no more? He didn't need a spacesuit or anything, man. I mean, he just went. But he left us the Great Commission, right? What we call the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to some. Right? Now, we've been involved in several children's ministries throughout the years, like Awana. You know, and and those type of ministries bring in different types of kids, right? When we started our first church, we worked down in what was then, it's not politically correct, but then it was called the Bottoms. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Columbus or not at that time, it was pretty rough. Now on the west side, where I'm from, it's pretty rough. But at that point in time, the bottoms were rough. And I, we would go into houses, cockroaches everywhere. I mean, the walls just covered with them. You want to know something, folks? It was kind of creepy. You know, you leave out of there, Yeah. You know? But Jesus died for them. Hmm? Jesus died for them. Listen, in Argentina, I have eaten cow stomach soup. And it's like chewing on a piece of rubber. I I just uh, tell them when I eat meat, I want to eat meat. I don't want the energy, you know, I want meat, you know. (laughs) But listen, Jesus died for them. And sometimes we cannot get by our prejudices. Do you know God is not prejudice? God is not prejudiced. And I teach our people, prejudice or what we call discrimination is a sin. God died for every one. And God wants everyone to get saved. And God wants you and I, who are His sons and daughters, to take His message to everyone. But if it doesn't get into our hearts, we will not fulfill the Great Commission. We will not fulfill the will of God for our lives. Do you understand When we got saved, it is not the will of God that we just occupy a chair. That is not the will of God. Go! Well, preacher, I'm 70 years old. I don't see any place in here that says you can't do something for God when you're 70 or 80 or 90 years old. Our oldest member died when she was almost ready, just a couple months away from turning 100 years old. You know what I told her? She said, I can't, preacher, I can't do very much. I said, You know what? The best thing you can do? Pray. Spend hours in prayer. Praying for lost people by name to get saved. God did not save us to put us on a vacation or retirement plan. Uh, the Bible says there is a rest for us one day, but it's not now. And there, there's no problem with recreation and resting. But God expects us to put into our hearts what is in His heart. And in His heart is the salvation of every man, woman, boy, and girl, and teenager on planet Earth. And God wants us to be involved in that. He wants us to get excited and be involved in that. Huh? Some of you Friday night were yelling and screaming like idiots. Right? At the high school football game. You know, we went to see my folks and I have a niece that's a cheerleader for The high school where I went to. Man, that's all they could talk about. The game game tonight. The game tonight. The game tonight. Okay. It's okay. But that's the excitement that God wants us to put into serving Him. To be missions hearted is to get that into our heart and start doing it. And you know, missions is not just in Argentina. If you read Acts 1-8, it starts where? Jerusalem, Sydney, Ohio. And then it starts spreading out. It doesn't stay just in Sydney, Ohio. That'd be kind of uh, egotistical. It starts spreading out. And if you remember the, the history of the, of the book of Acts, the disciples didn't want to leave Jerusalem. And God had to send some persecution to get him. Because God's plan was not just one place. God's plan was to take the gospel across the entire world. And they, he said, if you're not going to do it willingly, well, I just have to give you a little nudge. You know? So he sent some persecution. Especially when that fellow by the name of Saul got on the scene, right? Right? That Saul, you know what? That Saul, that persecution was in Saul's heart. Man, he did he did it with everything. I mean, he did it day and night. He man, it was occupying his mind and life day and night to persecute the Christians. It was in his heart, and God wants us to be missions-hearted to take the gospel here and across the world. Now, I want you to think about some things. Isaiah chapter 6: the Bible teaches that Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. And when he saw God, who for who he was, he understood who he was. I'm a man of unclean lips. (laughs) You know, I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. Hmm? But then, if you turn with me there, It's kind of interesting here in Isaiah chapter 6. Even though Isaiah understands that he's nothing, because that's basically what Isaiah is saying, in and of himself, he was recognizing, I'm nothing. (laughs) I'm nothing. God is everything. I'm nothing. But then he heard God speaking. Hmm? Verse 8, he said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? A question, right? Now, Pastor Jim asks questions all the time, right? Well, God you know, is asking a question here. Who can I send? And who will be willing to go for me? And Isaiah I'll go. You know, and I teach our, our, our people, I believe every Christian ought to ask God if God wants them to be in full-time ministry. I, I, listen, I understand, it is not God's will for all of you to be in full-time ministry. But He is supposed to be our Lord, right? Not just our Savior, but our Lord. Lord means He's the He's the boss. I think we ought to at least ask him before we start planning our lives out. I think we at least... God, do you want me to be in, in full-time ministry? You know, and people have done that through the years. We had a missionary come down to Argentina when he was in his mid-50s. He was a farmer. Whew. I was 31 when I got down there. It was tough enough to learn Spanish at 31. I could not imagine being in the middle to late 50s like this fellow was, okay? Because some people say, well, I'm too old. You realize some of the greatest men and women that God used in the Bible were senior citizens? You're not too old. You're too old when you start thinking that you're too old. You know, I I refuse to do that. This body's getting old, but the kid's still inside. Hmm? You start getting old when the kid's no longer inside. Mm -hmm. but I think everybody ought to ask God God do you want me to be in full time ministry personally I think I think all these young people ought to ask God if he wants them to be missionaries in Argentina I mean we've got a country of 45 million people we've got a city just like Columbus or Cincinnati with only two independent fundamental Baptist churches two for the entire two million people does God want you in? Listen, God wants you involved in your church here. I, I can tell you that without any doubt. You don't need to ask God. God. Do you want me involved in Grace Baptist Church? If you're a member here, God wants you involved in one way or another, huh? And, and if you volunteer, they'll find work for you to do. I, I, I've noticed that, you know, in churches. If, if you if you're willing to volunteer. Uh, they'll accept anybody. You know? Isaiah, hear my Lord said me. God said, okay. You know, and, yeah, I praise God that God really, most of the time, does not show us what's going to happen in our ministries because we'd quit. But God showed Isaiah you're going to preach, and they're not going to pay attention, you're not going to have any converts. Oh, that was exciting. Here I volunteered. God asked who's going to go, and I volunteered that I'd be willing to go. Now He's telling me that He wants me to go and preach to these people, but they're not going to listen. They're not going to pay attention. They're not going to receive what I give them. But you know what, folks? Listen, that's okay. Because God requires faithfulness. That's what God requires faithfulness. To do what he wants us to do. And as long as we're doing what God wants us to do. God will bless. And he will reward. Because he rewards faithfulness. And sometimes, and we tell people that want to come down to Argentina. You, if you're not able to stick with it when there's no results. Don't come down. Because it needs somebody that's willing to stick by the stuff when there's no results, you know. We don't need any fair, fair-weathered fans, you know. When a team, my team's losing, I chip, you know I pick a winning team so that I'm on a winner, you know. That's not the way it is. But God wants you involved here. If if, if you remember, doing something. God wants you, I believe, involved in other places. A missions trip, to go to the mission field, to help a missionary. A couple weeks, three weeks, you know. Just like here, there's always work to be done on, uh, sometimes, if I come down, is there any work that I can do? Oh, yeah, come on down. There's always work to do, especially with the camp ministry and everything. I mean, 10 acres of land, there's always something to do. All kind of buildings, there's always something to fix. huh? We can also take you out soul winning, you know, to the parks. Huh? But there's always something. God wants us to invest, and it's an investment. huh? You all have been through the Dave Ramsey thing, right? Serving God is the best investment that you can ever get into. It pays eternal dividends, right? The time that you invest, the service that you invest, the money that you invest, God knows it all. And God is not unjust, folks. He will reward. Now we have to be doing it with the right motive. We have to be careful. This, well, I'll give to get, you know. That's that's egotistical. God doesn't want that kind of attitude. God wants us to give of our time, of our talents, of our money because we love Him. Because we love Him. And because we love other people. Why should you serve in Awana? to Number one, because you love God, and you want to please Him, and you want to serve Him. Number two, because you love these kids, and you want to see them get saved. And I'm sure sydney has got kids just like we do in Argentina. There's some kids, their family situation is horrible. There's no hope. If they stay with that, and they never get saved, they're going to do the same thing with their families. There's ne- it's never, the cycle will never be broken. And they need someone to show them the love of Christ. They need to understand. listen, no one ever showed me John 3. I grew up right next door to an evangelical church. No one ever showed me John 3.16. I had, like I said this morning, I knew I was a sinner. I believed in God. I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. I believed that the Bible was the word of God, even though we'd never read it. I knew I was going to hell. I did not know how to get to heaven. Because no one ever took the time to say to me, for God so loved you, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And that if you will trust him as your savior, he will take you as a son of God. And that's why I love this verse. Because Pastor Jim Hatt, all five, two of him, showed me John 3.16 when I got saved on July 1st, 1978. 21 years old, serving in the United States Army. And folks, that is missions. Missions is just not in another country. Missions has to start here. Missions has to get into your hearts. You have to say, God, I want a missions heart. Show me how I can serve you. Show me how you can use me to impact lives of others. Because God can use you folks to change the lives of boys and girls and teenagers and adults. Don't ever believe that drug addict can't be saved. Don't ever believe that that alcoholic can't be saved. Don't believe that that snotty-nosed kid can't be saved. Because he may be the next preacher. Preacher. You know, there's a lot of independent Baptist preachers that before they were into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of bad stuff. And somebody, not just preachers, members of churches, took John 3.16, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, showing them that they are in God's heart and that God the Father... Loved Him so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for them. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, was willing to come and die on that old rugged cross because He loves them. And you show them that you love them by taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That's what is in our hearts, folks, when we take the gospel to them. The ones that need it. The church is not a social club. The church is a hospital for the sick. In sin. That's why we proclaim Jesus Christ, the crucified one, who is alive and wants to save all. Folks, how many of you tonight will ask God, God, give me a mission's heart and let me start here in my church, but let me go and help in other places also?